0: With world population of 7 billion people and counting, it's important for all of us to consider how food production impacts population growth.
1: Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of October the 10th, 2013. Um, This is a tough subject we're talking about today. In some ways, it's going to make your brain hurt. And if it doesn't make your brain hurt, you're probably not focusing on what it really means. We're going to have a chance to visit with Dr. Russ Hopfenberg. Russ has developed a thesis of how food production and world population fit together that is difficult. It's difficult to understand, and it's difficult to try to wrestle with as human beings. And with that, let's just get into the conversation and let you think this through as we do. Russ, thanks for being with us today. I think it's safe to say that this is among the most challenging conversations we've had here for Longleaf Breeze, challenging intellectually, of course, but also challenging philosophically, challenging morally. Um, And for that reason, I'm sort of tiptoeing through this, trying to make sure that I do it justice perhaps we could begin by your laying out what you regard as your core thesis about food, hunger, and world human population.
2: Okay. The uh, essential thesis that uh, I'm trying to get across uh, through my website, through my professional, well, through my academic writings, is that um, the ecology of human population dynamics is essentially the same as the ecology and population dynamics of any other species. Uh, That is that uh, human population size, growth, or diminishment is a function of changes in carrying capacity. Now, uh, carrying capacity consists of a number of different variables, uh, air, water, uh, space, food, Uh, Of these, uh, I think it's safe to say that the most uh, dynamic carrying capacity variable is food. Air is typically fairly constant, uh, as is um, water. Um, But food is one that is uh, highly changeable, uh, both uh, in in all of the biological community. Um, And uh, essentially with an increase in the carrying capacity of any species including the human the population will increase so uh, as we uh, make efforts to increase to uh, glow this is on a global level to increase food production and food availability we actually increase the size of the human population it is um uh Uh, something that is very similar to the dynamics of any other species. Um, It's uh, certainly clear that if you uh, uh, put out uh, food for um, chickens or wildlife that you will uh, discover after uh, doing this consistently over a long period of time, that the population of those species will increase, and the same is for humans. Uh, I'd like to leave it to you to uh, ask whatever questions you have about that because the the thesis is pretty straightforward. As as far as other biological species is concerned, it is accepted without question that increases in carrying capacity produces an increase in the population. What has been very difficult and uh, overlooked and uh, actually railed against is that this idea applies to the human species. So um, uh, it brings up uh, what uh, curiosities it raises for you and um, uh, what thoughts you might have about uh, this thesis.
0: Well, one thing that piqued my interest in reading some information that I found on your site was um, it had to do with the the changes that you've made to the original sort of classic uh, model of human um, growth potential or, or whatever. I know demographic you, transition. Yeah, demographic transition. And the fact that you introduced variables that had often been overlooked in terms of agriculture and also in terms of the distribution of food once it's introduced into a population. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd like the, con- you, if you could, to comment on those two variables.
2: Well, uh, usually the demographic transition is seen as uh, a move towards industrialization now uh, I think before we um, it was before you started uh, recording you mentioned and in your email correspondence you mentioned that you are uh, subsistence farmers that you're not uh, doing this for uh, uh, a for profit business uh, but you have to know that uh, agriculture worldwide is big business it, uh, it without uh continually increasing agriculture you would not have uh the population boom and the economic uh changes and increases that that we see currently uh that people are now more and more concerned about about a crash uh in that way um but uh uh food has been overlooked as a variable in demographic transition for sure it's really looked upon as a societal and uh, industrialization issue.
1: Well, I will jump in here and say, I'd like to summarize what I'm hearing from your thesis and Mm -hmm. then discuss some about what it means for us as farmers. What I'm hearing is any attempt to solve the problem of world hunger by producing more food is by definition self-defeating
2: that is well put Um, if you think about it in terms of a, a real timeline if there are people who are starving uh the idea of saying well let's um uh clear some land let's uh plant some food let's wait for it to grow let's harvest it and let's ship it or distribute it Um, People who are currently starving cannot wait for that kind of process. So where the food goes, essentially, is to increase the population. Uh, When there is a food crisis and there is a a redistribution of food through charitable means or uh, some such uh, endeavor, um, what that does is... um, distribute food that is currently available. That is not an increase in food production. But to then respond to uh, the current starvation and malnutrition uh, in the world by saying let's increase food production, uh, the data indicates that that has clearly backfired. Uh, The uh, number of uh, starving and malnourished as well as percentage between let's say 1960 and present day has increased along in lockstep with the population. Um, so it, it seems like it's hard for us to pay attention to that as, as useful information. It's, it's as if we say, well, it didn't work last year. It didn't work the year before, but let's do it again this year and see if it works.
1: <laughs> well, it let's, ask you to offer your expertise then russ as it relates to us as farmers Mm -hmm. we've told you that we are subsistence farmers meaning we're not commercial we don't sell what we produce but let's be very clear that we do share what Mm -hmm. we produce freely with friends family and others and Uh, uh what i hear you saying is that Although we may take pride in our producing more food, we say, oh, gracious, we had a wonderful harvest of fill-in-the-blank this year. Mm -hmm. You're saying, well, you're just making the problem worse, in a sense.
2: In in, in a sense. Uh, I'm talking more about... uh, uh, Let's see how we can uh, best attend to this. Um, Farming. Farming is really... Uh, nothing more than uh, fostering the growth of the foods you favor. Uh, there is no farmer, well, maybe Monsanto aside, but there's no farmer who has invented a new kind of food. Uh, it is really uh, doing uh, some work in order to foster the growth of the foods you favor. Um, this happens uh, not in, in uh, such a... Uh, as quote-unquote deliberate a manner throughout the biological community you could make the case that uh, um, uh, the distribution of seeds through a critter eating something uh, a fruit and then uh, through its uh, excrement has uh, fostered the growth of its food by distributing the seeds or uh, bees pollinating flowers the issue is Uh, The problematic issue is with the attitude and program of our current style of agriculture, which is everything, every spot of land uh, on the planet belongs to humans. uh, Unless we name it as a nature preserve, but that's uh, also what humans decide. And that we can do whatever we wish with that land. And also the other attitude of, we actually have to increase food production in order to feed the growing population without noticing that it is actually the increase in food production that fosters the growth of uh, the human population. So it's not farming per se that's, that's at issue here. It is an attitude and a program of continually increasing it uh, in a way that looks to me like uh, someone chasing their tail faster and faster um, so as far as subsistence farming um, uh fostering the regrowth of uh of the foods you favor uh doesn't strike me as much really as the issue as let's now well, we have this one plot of land, but um you know our our population is growing let's clear another plot of land, not noticing that we are uh, essentially stealing the biodiversity from numerous species in order to uh, foster our own growth. And, and I, that is ultimately um, self-destructive.
0: This may go along with that or be um, something else you'd like to add to that um, explication. But I noticed uh, a real, what was very, to, to me, a very helpful analogy in one of your papers about The population of a hare, a a hare being a rabbit, that is, and a lynx, Mm -hmm. and how um, the perception of the lynx might be uh, that there are not enough there's not enough hare meat to eat, depending on where that lynx lives at the time, where it is situated in um, regard to the availability of that meat. I thought that was very helpful, and I'd love to hear you maybe say something about that because it does seem to relate to me to the fact that our resources are distributed on this globe very unevenly?
2: Well, as far as uh, uh, resources being distributed unevenly, um, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very complicated issue, of course. I, I, uh, I like to refer to the dollar bill and I look at the back of it and I notice that there's a pyramid on it. And uh, I think that is a wonderful description of our global economy. It's a it's a global pyramid scheme. Um, and the distribution of resources uh, go along with that. Uh, the people at the top of the pyramid live very well, and the middle have nothing to complain about, and the people at the bottom have a lot to complain about, but are also uh, um, completely acculturated that this is the only possible way that they can live. Um, as far as the... Um, uh, the lynx and the hare uh, the idea in the natural habitat is uh there there aren't uh predators running around starving all the time uh they live essentially in dynamic equilibrium with their their um, their food sources uh so as the food sources increase, their population increases, and as they do this, the population goes uh um, of the the food source decreases, and uh, many times, not all the time, but many times, uh, this decrease in the predator um, population is a result of um, a decreased birth rate. Um, Why that is, I'm not sure. Maybe uh, with a little less food, uh, the critters are feeling a little less frisky. I'm not quite sure, Uh, but that's typically the way it works. And um, our perception as humans who are acculturated to the idea that we need to increase food production is um, uh, that if we don't do that, we, it'll be catastrophe for us. We'll starve. Um, we won't have enough, etc. And I'm not sure if I actually answered your, your question. Uh, and I really want to make sure that I that I speak to that. You um, did. So I-
0: I think what I, I found interesting about that analogy was that it's it definitely goes along with what you said about the pyramid that it depends on you know if you're if what you see is lots of people or lynxes starving, then it might be that it's because in some sections of the world there's plenty of food and actually yes. some people getting <clears throat> uh, having obesity problems, and in other sure. sections of that world there are indeed people starving and not getting enough ca- calories to survive.
2: Right. And, and that's absolutely true. And that is a, a absolutely tragic. But another thing to notice uh, uh, in keeping with the pyramid scheme is that um, almost always the people who are malnourished and starving are not wealthy people. Uh, they are the poorest of the poor. They are, um, people without other resources, I, I, you don't typically see folks driving around in BMWs and starving. Um, so this is starts to seem to me to be more a function of economics and distribution than it is about uh, food production. And uh, just one more thing about that is um, in order to have the kind of agricultural uh, production that we have, we have to stratify, stratify the, the economy. We need people who are going to be the farmers. We need people who are going to guard it. We need folks who are going to distribute it. Um, we need people who are going to be the uh, the owners and running the entire operation. And um, it ends up being a pyramid scheme.
1: Well, we're we don't want to. Get, let the interview end without moving on to the most challenging part of this, which is what do we do so i'm I'm going to switch gears now and sure. say, we're going to put you in charge of the world and okay. ask you to respond, I guess, in two different ways. One is geopolitically, and uh-huh. then uh, respond to farmers directly with a now that we've explained what's going on here, what do we do about it kind of conversation. So take it away, Russ.
2: Uh, So in charge of the world. Well, this is a great position to be in. Uh, We're going to have a black tie gala affair uh, to celebrate. Um, We're going to tell my family members that I'm in charge. I don't know if they're going to go for it. But uh, uh, but here's the thing. In order to do anything about uh, this problem or anything uh, of this magnitude, people have to understand it. So what I would do as uh, you say ruler of the world? Yes. Oh, that's kicking. That's great. Um, uh, My first edict is that uh, we try to figure out how to understand this. Um, uh, I don't think uh, we could have landed someone on the moon without everyone in general understanding uh, the basic movements in the solar system. We couldn't have had any kind of uh, mass support for such an idea. It was a, a huge undertaking. People have to, in general, understand uh, what this means. Um, uh, you cited the uh, the, the uh, paper I wrote about the hair and the links. Um, in general, Especially scientists understand this to be a reality regarding hairs and links. The, what's the missing piece is people get very very distressed when you say the same ecological laws apply to human beings and not to indiv- if, if folks usually say, well, people can choose to have more children or fewer children. Here's another tricky concept. Uh, that is, yes, individuals can choose to have more or fewer. But we're talking about the behavior of a population it's kind of like particles and waves they behave differently even though they're parts of the same thing so as ruler of the world uh it would be um more of what i'm trying to do currently which is let's understand this i i would not rush to any kind of action uh or try to impose any kind of action uh apart from understanding uh the 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 basic ecological laws as they apply to humans um i've read uh, ecology books uh basic primers uh one that had and i wish i remember the reference had two parts one parts for uh um, basic ecology uh lab work and the other for humans and it was like i was looking at two different books it it even had the hair and the lynx uh figure in the book in the first part. And in the second part, they said, well, we have to increase food production to feed the growing population. (laughs) So uh, as ruler of the world, it would be more about educating than imposing any kind of legislation, call to action, uh, other than understanding. That is the big, important thing.
1: And now I will ask you to direct your suggestions directly to us farmers what would you like for farmers to do differently russ uh are you talking subsistence farmers Um uh, probably if all you would farmers. like but yeah i would guess all farmers
2: um it, it's it's very much the same you know we we are at a point in our uh culture where uh farming is necessary we we cannot um sustain ourselves apart from farming without a uh, 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 massive uh, loss of life. And, you know, if we said, okay, we're going to close down all the farms, it would be a catastrophe. Uh, so uh, farming currently is necessary. I can't see us uh, uh, doing without it. So it's very important. On the other hand, this idea of, and now next year we have to um, – Clear more land and create more farms, uh, or increase yield or productivity, as a response to population growth and starvation and malnutrition. Uh, that I see is problematic, and farmers can understand that um, as it applies to the global population as well as anybody. Um, uh, what they, you know, as far as uh, needing to do differently, um, I wouldn't say anything except understanding this reality, um, and maybe uh, helping.
0: You think maybe helping to get the word out, uh, sharing the information, sharing your perspective. Helping to get the
2: the, the word out is a fabulous thing, fabulous idea. Um, you know, this this is uh this is what what hangs me up a whole lot is that this is such a simple concept that it's it it feels very slippery in its simplicity
0: we just want to thank you for that and to tell you that we will do our part in getting the word out we hope that lots of people listen to this podcast
2: well thank you i do as well and feel free to peruse uh panearth.org and uh, uh certainly is a place to send feedback i'd i'd certainly like that um and uh, i appreciate your having me it's it's very exciting
1: russ hopfenberg thank you so much for taking time to visit with us russ my pleasure thank you so what do you think
0: what he's what russ says certainly is consistent with everything that i've studied about population growth population dynamics um, starting with the 70s when
1: the Limits to Growth. The
0: Limits to Growth. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ed Passerini, for having us read that Shout book. Shout out to you, Ed. Yes, and, and we started thinking about these issues then. And what I appreciate about um, Russ's addition to the thesis is the fact that simply introducing agriculture into human uh, affairs, the fact that we can control what we grow, as he points out, um, as opposed to the old hunter-gatherer model of you know,
1: preceded agriculture, many
0: uh, millennia preceded agriculture, that that in and of itself is stimulating population growth, that we're going to grow to carrying capacity, whatever that might be.
1: And I heard him saying over and over, the problem is feeling like we need to take more land and convert it to agricultural use. Or take the same land and put more and more inputs into it that have the effect of reducing the ecological resiliency of the planet.
0: And it makes sense because it's a finite system. That the more we, you know, we have climate change as a factor as well. So the more we do um, use means of um, harvesting, for example, or planting for that matter, that that, uh, calls upon the use of fossil fuel, that's in a sense, reducing carrying capacity because we're polluting our atmosphere. Therefore, fewer people will live.
1: And I understand why Russ is so reluctant to take this to the next step and say, now, what do we do? Well, what we do is figure out ways to have fewer human beings. And that's not going to come about because we feed more food to them. It's going to come about in some other way.
0: It may come about by redistributing the food that is available.
1: And it may come about because we set out to make contraception more available to human beings across the planet. Uh, but there's, I, I, I hear him saying loudly and clearly, you cannot produce enough food to solve this problem because producing more and more food is simply making the problem worse.
0: That goes along with something we learned a long time ago, uh, which is the old idea that nature bats last, that we might think we can outsmart the system and just keep producing food, but eventually, as we learn from the limits to growth, that if you continually um, grow your population so that it outgrows its carrying capacity, that population will crash, and that crash will be most unpleasant.
1: So, with that, what um, a cheerful thought Yeah, we bid you farewell. <laughs> uh, have a good week, and we will look forward to visiting with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.